Just when you thought it was safe to go looking for a podcast, you stumbled across us. Fantastic. You're in the right place. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you found the number one podcast in all the land. Okay, just Mississippi. But we're going with that until documentation proves otherwise. Now strap in for the journey from the lower levels of Ridgewood Recording Studios. We are World of Wild. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of World of Wiley. Uh, each and every week that we bring you content, uh, this podcast has reached a point now to where I was kind of at a crossroads about what I really wanted to do. Did I want to continue the podcast? Did I did I want to branch out and do other things, or, or could I do both? And I stumbled across an article about a gentleman um, named Bill Hobson. Uh, he's based out of Canada, and um after reading his story, I, I tried to reach out, get in touch with him, was able to contact him, and he and I sat down, and he gave, well, this conversation that we have that you're about to hear was more for me than it was for you, but I think there's something for everybody in this conversation. Um, Hobson, Mr. Hobson's got 35-plus years of experience in broadcasting. You know, he's been blessed with the opportunity to interview a lot of different folks just like I have to this point. Uh, he has some different weekly stuff that goes on about golf. He's, he has stuff about marriage. He has um, a, a pastor's series type deal. Um, he has shows like The Big Impact, Marriage Talk, Church Pew Sports, uh, The Giving Series. Uh, he has one that he talks where he deals with the concept of homelessness and, and what can be done to try to fix that. Uh, he has an entire network set up around the golf industry and some different things that are connected to that. So a lot of things that he was interested in, I'm also interested in also. And then after our conversation, uh, it helped me uh, with some decisions I wanted to make about this actual show and about additional shows. So uh, like I said, guys, the conversation was for me very selfishly, but I think there's going to be something that you're going to hear in this conversation that you're going to be able to apply in your own daily walk. So uh, after the break, guys, um, my guest, Mr. Bill Hobson, uh, the Big Impact Media. Thanks. Hey, guys, your host, William, here. Quick question. Are you a First and Second Amendment kind of person? Because if you are, our new affiliate partner, Tactical Brotherhood, is your place. If you're looking for ammo, guns, or gear, check out the link in the episode notes and enter code Patriot15 at checkout to receive that 15% discount. Also, Tactical Brotherhood, veteran-owned company. Now, back to the episode. All right, everybody, we're back from the break, and as promised, our guest today, Mr. Bill Hobson. Bill, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for the invitation. Hey. I'm just excited a, a media mogul such as yourself would take time out of your busy schedule to talk to a little podunk country boy from Mississippi. So <laughs> we, we better examine the definition of mogul. I have, I have, uh, yeah, I have been uh, advised that you are a uh, you're an expert in quite a few topics. 
Uh, I don't, I don't, we'll find out in just a minute. Uh, we'll, we'll quiz you on a few things and see just how impressive you really are. So, uh, first of all, if nobody knows who Bill Hobson is, which I find it hard to believe, you being a media mogul that you are, explain to my listeners in, in just a, a couple of quick sentences, who is Bill Hobson? Wow, a couple of quick sentences. Well, th- okay, three sentences, three sentences, three sentences. Uh, all right, three sentences. Gives you three sentences. I have been developing the ability to effectively tell your story for the last 35 years. Your story could be for a a business, it could be for a charity, and it could be for just an an inspirational story. It could be for something that touches your heart and moves you to take action. And in my world of Hobson Media, there's a bunch of podcasts, there's a TV show, there's a radio program. Uh, there's a whole lot of things that come under that heading, but everything falls under the concept of we tell your story. Do you have your finger on everything that goes on inside the conglomerate, or do you? Are you just? Are, are have you reached the point where you're just the guy, and you have all these little underlings that handle a lot of the day-to-day stuff? Well, it depends on the project you're talking about. So for my television show, I have a crew that goes with me. We do a show called Michigan Golf Live where we travel the world and show off great places to play. We get spoiled like crazy. And in that case, I am the executive producer and I host the show, but thankfully I don't have to edit it all and I couldn't shoot it all because I'm in it. Uh, But for the majority of everything else, um, my fingers are pretty much in the editing. They're in the producing. They're in the posting of the podcast. In fact, I've been really racking my brain the last couple of weeks trying to think of some way to bring somebody else into it to help free me up to actually do more things. Because right now, as you know, the conversation that we're having, that's the easy part of all of this. We're just connecting for a conversation. We get to know each other. Right. But what do we do with it when it's done? That's what takes all the time. And so that's one of those areas where, you know, the old saying, good help is hard to find. Well, um, help with the knowledge of how to do what we're doing is also hard to find. So, but yeah, my, my fingers are in every bit of it. Um, I'm probably not a very good delegator because I really like to make sure that everything that we produce it meets a certain standard. And that's a, that's a difficult and a long-running thing to teach someone. So that's, if you know anybody, send them to Michigan. It's, it's not a curse to be hands-on. I, that's uh I, I tell people all the time, in, in any level of, of uh, supervisor capacity that I've ever served in, it's a lot easier to, to be in the fight with them and to put your hands on the project and to show them what needs to be done than it is to try to explain it to them. Because if you show them how to do it and then it's not done right, then you have a perfect example to go by. Look, I just showed you how to do this. So I, I, I understand. Uh, you don't have much free time, but you did mention that you, you do a golf show so in your free time, I'm assuming you're preparing to qualify for the PGA Tour. I mean, <laughs> it's very funny because when we've been doing that show for 22 years, that's the longest running product under my umbrella. Uh-huh. Um, and so in in the golf world, I, I have a fair amount of um, uh, recognition. And so imagine the disappointment of somebody who invites me to be the the guest at their charity outing, and I'm going to speak afterwards, but during the outing, they want me to go out and meet and play and hit some shots with their 
with their guests and their donors. And uh, only then do those folks realize how much editing we do on the TV show because live in person, it's not quite as good as it looks on television. So we have a lot of fun with that. A few years ago, as a matter of fact, I was rented out by a charity. As part of their golf outing, you could, you could give a donation and I would play on your team for three holes. Mm-hmm. And I would, you could count my shots and you could count me as part. So people thought this was fantastic. I've seen the guy on TV. Why? We're going to do this. I had a whole list on a clipboard of those teams that had donated. And during this day-long event, my job was to go find each one, play three holes with them, and then go find the next team and just keep doing that all day. I was having such an off day. By the time we got to mid-afternoon, a couple of the teams were actually wondering if they could get their money back. And uh, we (laughs) we had to remind them it's for charity. So uh, we just try to be real in everything that we do. And it's not always perfect, that's for sure. So what you're telling me is you were playing like Tiger Woods with a bad back. Is that what you're telling me? Well, yeah, I was I was the guy who was crumbling down to the crowd. Yeah, for sure. All right. Now, there's a misprint on your information that I have in front of me. So we have to clarify this. It says, right. and I quote, the question is, how did you get started in broadcasting way back at the age of 14? Now, that can't be yeah. possible at 14 years old. That has to be. Well, you're, you're right. It, it is a misprint because it should say 12. Oh, um, oh. Well, how? how it, the, yeah, that, that's the misprint. My, uh, when I was a kid, my father um, had Ford dealerships. He's an auto dealer. Uh-huh. And he wanted, uh, he wanted to have myself and my sister appear in his commercials. And these commercials were terrible. Um, I'm praying that the tape never surfaces. Um, I think by now we might be safe because, you know, VHS is kind of hard to find a place to play. Mm-hmm. But they were really bad commercials. He didn't care because he knew that we enjoyed being in them. Right. And, uh, you know, now all these years later, um, I would have advised him differently. Right. And I would have thought that the advertising agency would have said, you know, Mr. Hobson, these aren't very good. But they wanted him happy. And the definition of him being happy was, Little Billy and his sister are being in these commercials. And to be honest with you, uh, when that happened, and I kind of got a a taste for being on this side of the camera, it it sparked something in me. I don't know what it is. I think it's what, I think it's the innate passion that God plants into each of us to do something. Um, And it's one of the reasons that I'm sad for those who are in a vocation that doesn't match their passion, because that can be really, really hard. So way back then, my passion was fuel. You know, the spark was lit. And um, it's, it's the primary reason that today I'm not an auto dealer in charge of a number of dealerships. Because when I was, I think, 16 or 17, he was getting ready to retire. And he called me into his office and said, um, so do you want them? I said, what, what do I want what? Do you want the dealerships? Because I'm getting ready to do something else. And uh, we, had a great, we have a great relationship. At that time, the least appealing thing on the planet to me was spending 16 hours a day in the dealership. I'm 16 years old. I just got my license. I, I can't even fathom all of this. And I said, no, I really want to go into broadcasting. And one of my favorite things and one of the reasons that my dad is, is really my hero is that he, instead of saying, you know, how dare you or don't you understand or don't you get it, he became my biggest cheerleader, really, and he still is. I talked to him last night. 
he and my mom were out to dinner with my sister on the other side of the state. And it happened to be that in the restaurant where they were sitting with uh, the, the seven of them, because my, my sister's three kids were there, my dad said, oh, it's funny you should call. You're on the TV in the restaurant right now. And, he, of course, he's boring the waitress to tears with stories of, that's my boy up there on the TV. He has always been uh, my greatest cheerleader and supporter, even though he inaccurately overstates my importance uh, in the world of media. It's such an honor to, to know that, um, that, that he was okay with those decisions. But it did. It started way back then. Uh, little Billy had a lot more hair than he does now mm-hmm. and uh, was just kind of getting started in some embarrassingly bad commercials. Well, first of all, the cuteness factor of kids in commercials outweighs any of your uh, no, lack of acting cute. ability. No, it didn't. It didn't it help. It was really bad. It didn't help at all. So a quick question, though. You were in front of the camera. You were being, you know, you, you were the center of attention. You and your sister were. That didn't spark. You were talking about going into broadcasting. That didn't spark a, hey, I want to go out to California when I'm older and be a movie star? No. No, I, I actually, um, I used to work for Fox TV. Mm-hmm. I worked for them in Michigan. But there were a couple of occasions where my job would take me out to, to California and I would see the uh, the mothership, so to speak. And it didn't appeal to me at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, um, one of the reasons that I left working for Fox was because I grew very weary of a couple of things. One, uh, the corporate grind where nothing is ever good enough. And, and two, I was being asked in my market, I was the face of the station. I was the voice, uh, literally the voice of the station. I, th- I was the guy you would hear on all the promos that would say, uh, Seinfeld, weeknights at 7.30 on Fox 66, those kind of things. Well, people in my community were associating me with everything on the station, and I, I understood that because I was on all the time. The problem is that the direction that programming was taking began to make me very uncomfortable. Um, I was uh, very involved in my church. My wife and I led the youth group. I, I taught Sunday school. I did all these things, and I found myself having to say to the kids in our youth group, listen, don't watch the station where I work because I don't want you to be influenced by the content. And, and one of them said at one point, well, then why do you work there? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you think about those little nuggets that are dropped on you every once in a while. Um, and sometimes they just roll off your back. You don't pay any attention to them. Well, that one kind of kept haunting me until the day that my general manager called me. And I want you to think back to the beginning of reality TV. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere now because it's so cheap to right, produce. Right. You don't have to write a script. But the very first one was a show called Who Wants to Marry a Millionaire? And it was on Fox. And it was basically, in the span of 90 minutes, this couple would meet for the first time and then have a wedding before the show ended. This is the most ludicrous thing you've ever heard of. And I was asked to go around town to the different radio stations and promote that, you know, coming soon. You guys, you're not going to believe this. It's so fun. And I, I told my general manager, you know, you know, I can't do that. And he said, I know. And he was great. Um, and he said, but just so you know, it's only going to get worse. And he was right. Um, and I gave him my two-week notice right there. I had nowhere to go. I had no idea what I was going to do. I just said, I got to get out of here. And um, in that two weeks, I received a phone call from a gentleman I've never met. He was the new executive director at the homeless shelter in Flint, Michigan. 
he had moved to Flint, Michigan from Anchorage, Alaska. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you talk about the cultural, mind-blowing experience that had to be. Yeah. But he said, I'm new, I'm new in town. I'd like to get to know the members of the media. Would you come over and have lunch with me? Um, now, my church had been serving at this rescue mission my whole life. I had never gone. I'd never been there. I didn't know where it was. Um, so I went over to have lunch, and I walked in, and I said, uh, would you like me to drive, or are you going to drive? And he said, drive where? So lunch? No, 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 no. we're going to eat right here. I got very thrown off by this. He said, we're just going to go in the dining room, and we'll eat with the folks. So we did. We went in, and we, he and I sat at a round table with a group of men in their long-term addiction recovery program. And I began talking to these men, and I found that one of them was a former NFL trainer. One of them was a General Motors engineer. One of them was a school teacher. And I began to have my mind blown by my incorrect stereotypes of who would ever be in one of these shelters. We finish lunch, go back to his office, and he says, by the way, if you happen to know someone who is an effective communicator, who can write, who can speak, who can be in front of a... I need a development director here, chief fundraiser here, uh, because the lady in that position is not going to remain in that position. And uh, he says, if you know anybody, send them my way. I get home, I tell my wife all about this awesome day, and she's, you know, she's just looking at me, shaking her head. She goes, you know that's where you're going, right? And I said, I think it is. And eight days later, that was my next career. My next career was from television to working at a homeless shelter. And to this day, part of what happens in the world of Hobson Media, we do all these broadcast things, and those are all in one silo. That's about half of my life. But in the other silo, the other professional half of my life, is I consult with faith-based charities around the country. Most of them are gospel rescue missions, and we help them with their messaging and their communications and their fundraising because they are really good at what they do, but they're not as good at telling their story in a way that would touch your heart. And if they don't touch your heart, since none of my clients are supported by federal tax dollars, if they don't touch your heart, they're not open. So I have this, this is a long-winded answer, and I'm sorry for rambling, but it kind of goes back to your original three-sentence limitation on my story. It's hard to fit it into there. So there are two parts, and one is the, yeah, I'm in front of the camera, and I'm behind the microphone, and I'm doing all those things for communication. But the other half is I'm sitting across tables from men and women whose lives have been at the very end of the rope, and I get to hear how they're putting the pieces back together again. And then the team that I work with gets to take those stories and put it either into written form, into electronic form, into social media form, and we have been so blessed over for a lot of years now to help raise tens of millions of dollars for uh, organizations that are really making a life-saving difference for so many people. So um, I, I've told people before that if I don't like what I do, I must need to have my head examined because, A, I sort of created this whole thing because I'm a lousy employee, but perhaps I'm a better uh, administrator. Um, and I get to tell stories that matter. Um, and it, it fits my passion really, really closely. So, story, you're talking about storytelling. And I know that's what you do. You, you facilitate the ability for people to tell their story. 
but the actual network, like what all, give us a snapshot of what falls under the network. Like how many different um, networks fall under that, uh, you know, the big, the big umbrella. Like when you use the term yeah. umbrella, like what falls under your umbrella at Hobson Media? Well, let's start with the podcast world. Okay. Um, we, do, so we do a number of weekly podcasts. Uh, the Big Impact is both a podcast and a radio program. It's carried in Detroit and in the middle part of Michigan, and we're working on some more affiliates. That show is entirely dedicated to inspiring, uplifting, and encouraging stories. I interview people from all walks of life every week. Some of them are famous, and many of them are not, but they have powerful stories to share. And that the reason for that program really is my uh, my passion for injecting positive content into a negative culture. Man, if you're if you're living on news sound bites and on clickbait, you are in a miserable state of being right now. Mm-hmm. So my hope is that people will really seek out positive conversation. So the big impact. There's another podcast under the umbrella called Marriage Talk. Marriage Talk is actually, I, I facilitate the conversation, but the expert on the show is a licensed therapist and counselor uh, and his wife, and they address the issues presented by our listeners. That, uh, it's interesting, that is the one that I have the least to do with as far as providing insight, but it's by far the most listened to podcast that we have in our network. Mm-hmm. Uh, Number three, we have a weekly golf podcast called Four Golfers Network, F-O-R-E. We explore all things about golf. Uh, It's sort of the sister companion to my flagship program, which is Michigan Golf Live, which is the syndicated radio show on 13 stations, and then our TV show, which is in 7.5 million homes every weekend. Uh, Then we just started a new podcast. It's very fun. In fact, uh, you and I are seeing each other, but it's not on my wall yet. it's called Church Pew Sports, and it's where pastors talk sports and life. Um, I listen to a number of sports podcasts, not all of them suitable for family consumption. Correct. Uh, because Correct. The, the content. Right. So like yeah. Barstool and things like that. Yeah. Uh, they're fun. They're creative, but they're, they're pretty bawdy. So I thought, what if, I mean, what if I brought together some guys who just love sports and they happen to be involved in ministry? And we know that we'll produce content that you could listen to with your grandma if you needed to. And we are having a blast with church pew sports. Um, and then there are a couple more that aren't very that aren't regularly produced. They're seasonal, but they feature top destinations. So in Michigan, there's a, a place called Frankenmuth, which is the most popular tourist destination in Michigan. So we produce the Voices of Frankenmuth, and it's just interviews with the unique characters around that town and then there's another one on Mackinac Island which is the place where no uh, automobiles have been allowed for over a hundred years in northern Michigan it's all horses and bicycles and they shot the movie somewhere in time there and I produced the voices of Mackinac Island podcast so that's under the umbrella Um, along with that we have some pretty robust YouTube channels where we do other content in the golf world producing uh, product reviews and travel reviews, things that aren't on TV or otherwise on radio. And then if I can just, you know, string it out one last little concept, I also do a fair amount of speaking at um, charitable events and corporate events. And um, I guess in many ways you could just say I never really stopped talking. So I'm, I'm 
praying my voice will always be strong and be there. Um, but there's a there's a there's a rich blessing that comes from being able to help tell stories. Um, and then the last piece of the puzzle has nothing to do with podcasts. It's a free video series that I do for churches and faith-based ministries, and it's simply called The Giving Series. And it's a series of short, like seven-minute videos on different aspects of connecting your ministry to those who support it. And if anybody wants to check that out, it's at thegivingseries.com. It must be pretty tough being the voice of Michigan. You're like the most recognized voice in the entire state. And then you only, from what I just heard, you only sleep about 30 minutes to an hour a day because you don't have time. You don't have, you don't have time to sleep. So it's got to be a rough life for you. Scary thing is, is you were sitting there talking, um, and we talked about this before we started. Um, I'm, I'm in, uh, I guess I'm an infant in this whole podcasting world at this point. I hadn't been doing it that long, but, uh, my, my show actually is, it's based loosely like yours is. It's all about facilitating storytelling, um, and then I I tell people all the time, people ask me what my show's like. I said, well, it's like a clean version of Joe Rogan. But I guess it's more yeah. like, I guess I'm aspiring to be uh, more like the Hobson Media Network is what it sounds like to me. So uh, I don't I don't know if I'm as heavy on the golf. I love golf. I'm not any good at it. But I, I love wasting three or four hours a day on a golf course. So um, I'll tell you what, man. A couple of years ago, my son and I, came down to Biloxi in mm. July, oh, you invited were... down by them. You know, we were doing a story, you know, they, they asked us to come down and do a father-son story at some of the premier golf places down there, Fallen Oak, and where they have the tour events. And I've never been hotter in my life. Yeah. Uh, I had sweat coming out of my forearms. Yeah. Uh, I remember the starter at one of the courses looking at two of us, he handed us a wet iced towel and said, y'all going out there? And by the third hole, I was seeing double. I had no idea what yeah. was happening. Yeah, it's uh... it was so incredibly warm. So, uh, but it's a great game, and we have been blessed. I have traveled the world because of that that weird idea that I made up 22 years ago. And back then, it was just a radio show. So you try telling try telling some people, no, I do a show about golf on the radio. They look at you sideways. Uh, and thankfully, we've uh, we've been able to make it entertaining enough that it's been around for for 22 years now. So. Um, go figure. Who would have seen that one coming? You uh, you've used the term "inspiring" a couple of times, and uh, and yeah. you're all about facilitating storytelling. You know, everybody has a story. You said, do you truly find some form of inspiration in every story that's ever been told to you? Because you've heard a lot of them now. Yeah. Well, I do. Um, every once in a while, you can tell that somebody's just trying to sell a book and they don't believe what they're saying, but that's very often and as you know in the beauty of podcasting you can record something and if it turns out to not sit well with you, you just yeah don't publish i've it. i've um, had a few of those and I, yeah and i've had that happen just a couple weeks ago but for the 99 plus percent of the time you know when i talk with a guy by the name of matt who had a double organ transplant and had to be flown to cedar sinai and beverly hills from a little town in michigan to have it done a young man, a guy who's died double-digit times in his life and you know, brought back to life. And then I hear the story of the miracle that it took for this double transplant to take place and how he spent nine months in intensive care. I mean, it's just astounding to, to hear how now he is able to run and play with his little girl 
things. When I when I hear of a young man named Zach who was an all-state wrestler and went on a youth group trip, a canoeing trip up to one of the rivers, and he, of course, being an enthusiastic adrenaline junkie, went and just dove in the river head first and never walked again, uh, paralyzed from the neck down. And how Zach has gone on to get his master's in social work and how he's become a, a school board member, how he's been just an inspiration and never given in to what could easily be the victim mindset. Um, and then I talk with Purple Heart recipients, man. I mean, you, I, I can't put into words the mind-blowing bravery that they have exhibited. And I get it. I, you know, there are times when somebody says, go take that pill, and you may not see the big picture of why you're being told that, but they did it. And when they went over that hill, something really bad happened. And yet, the first thing that they wanted to do when they came back to consciousness was get back in the battle because their buddies were out there. Um, and on and on, you know, whether it's from military or whether it's from uh, normal everyday life, we've had Hall of Fame athletes on the program on the big impact. And yeah, I find inspiration in a lot of things. And, and, and it's made me a little, it's made me a better listener than I used to be. Um, it's made me feel smaller and that's probably good because, um, we have a culture jam-packed with people who always want to be the main attraction. Uh, my, you hear phrases like, my truth. Well, that's the ultimate exercise in narcissism. You don't get to write your own truth. There is no such thing as your truth. There's the truth, and then there's not true. But here we are, as one of my favorite podcasters, Adam Carolla, frequently says, all roads lead to narcissism. And I'm guilty of that as well. And so one of the things that, that doing these interviews and being a, a podcast host has really helped me with, I think, is being a better listener and realizing that there are stories out there that are so compelling that if I'll just shut up and let them be told, it'll really touch people's hearts. And that's what's really happening, especially through the big impact. Yeah, I tell guests all the time that um, before we get started, I say, look, this is your show. This is your story. I'm going to I'm gonna input either as much as I need to or the least amount I possibly can to you know give you the opportunity to tell your story. And a lot of guests are blown away with that concept. You know, they're, they're so programmed to, well, he's going to ask a question, I'm going to give an answer. He's going to ask a question, I'm going to go... I hate popping questions to people. I want to hear, because the problem is, is when you get to telling your story and then you start chopping your story up into pieces, it just doesn't have the same flow. It just doesn't have the same effect. So that's why when you get started, like you were talking about your long-winded answer to my question earlier, that we needed to hear that. I, I, I shouldn't have cut you off and we started another train, you know, another stream of consciousness. We didn't need to go that direction. So, I do have, uh, and this at this point you can uh, officially name drop and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't really bother me unless it bothers you. First of all, okay. this is I call this the favorite child section of the show. Okay, so of all the projects you've got under the umbrella, what is your favorite? Like your favorite project, your favorite. The favorite thing for me to do is to speak to a live audience in a corporate motivational setting or a charitable 
uh, event setting. But in the last year, that hasn't really been right. That has not worked. So, so uh, yeah. So you, can, you know, you can't do it. So, so let me go into second place on the leaderboard. Um, and I would say probably when I can connect with a guest in a powerful, big impact setting, and, and let that story breathe, that's my favorite thing to do. Um, it's it's really really cool to to have. I like to. Here's what I like to hear from somebody. Wow, I've never been asked that before. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. And I, I I strive for that. I'm not trying to throw them a wrench in the works or catch them. I'm not asking them about what they did as a junior in high school that one night under the bleachers. I'm just talking about in general. Right. Especially if they've come through some incredible obstacle. I remember interviewing uh, Eric Weinmeier, who was a blind adventurer. And Eric described how he climbed Everest and he made it sound like it was you or me just walking around the block on the sidewalk. Then he told me how he blind kayaked the Grand Canyon River Rapids. Okay, so everybody just kind of think through this with me for just a moment. Yeah, I, I don't know how to climb Everest and I can see, but, but if I couldn't see, here's what I do know. At least, at least I could, in an extreme sense, put one foot on something and feel it being firm before I put the next foot forward. Right? You could do that. It would take you forever. Right. You don't get to do that in a river in the rapids. And I, I asked him how he accomplished it as he's just zooming down these class four rapids by himself. And he had a Bluetooth in his ear, and there was a guide in a kayak behind him saying things like, like gentle left, hard left, right, 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 you know, and instructing guy who couldn't see a thing. And when I hear things like that unfold, I, I'm, so, I'm so grateful for my health, but I'm so touched by and motivated by those who have said, there's nothing that's going to stop me. I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to inspire people. Man, that's fun. Those are fun stories to tell. All right. Uh, do you have, out of all the interviews you've done to this point, is there that one that one favorite that stands out above all others? There's probably about a 10-way tie for first. They have mm-hmm. to go to a, a playoff. Have to go to a playoff. Have to go to a playoff hole. But the gentleman who I told you about named Matt Noble, a double organ transplant recipient. Um, you know, I gave you the 40-second version of it. Um, it's the most stunning story that I've ever heard from start to finish. Uh, as it turns out, he grew up in a small town where my mom was his kindergarten teacher. And he, he has written, he wrote a book 20 years ago about his struggles. This double transplant was just a couple of years ago. He lived all these years with a defibrillator frequently coding. He, he would he would code out. He would be dead. And the story of the miracle and, and just the different things that came along is probably the top of my, my leaderboard list. But, you know, it's funny. If I were right now scrolling through the directory, we have all of our episodes, by the way, folks. You can go to bigimpactradio.com. They're all there. You can just go by category and find whatever you want to find and listen for free. Um, if I were to scroll back through there, I'm guessing I would be reminded of one that I'm not thinking of now that would be like, oh, yeah, um, including my friend, uh, Major Ed Polito from the Folds of Honor Foundation, who lost his leg in, in uh, Afghanistan and has since served as one of the most motivational speakers you've ever come across. Eddie is adrenaline times 10 
natural wall for yeah. them. So, um, favorite show that you are part of? Do you have a favorite or all of them? Yes, that favorite kid. You know, I, I love all my kids equally, yeah. but there's that one favorite kid. You know, there always is one. Do you have one of those in your yeah. in your shows? Well, my television program would be my favorite, um, and it's because it literally literally was created from the ground up. Uh, the TV show started about 17 years ago, and to see how we've been blessed with growth and how audiences respond to it. Um, and people always say to me, you're, you know, you're so spoiled, you're so lucky. And I always say to them, yes, that's exactly right. I, I'm not going to argue with you. You know, um, we, we truly have had doors open to places that I still can't imagine. Uh, and if I took the 10 minutes to tell you the, the powerful story of how two men did something above and beyond to bless my son and I, with not only a trip to the Masters, but a trip inside Butler Cabin and the chance to meet Arnold Palmer and to do all of this during the Masters, it is—it's um, the—it's it, the height of um, of appreciation for me, and it's also a reminder that had those two guys who didn't owe me a favor, they didn't owe me anything. If they hadn't just been kind, we never would have experienced some of those things. And. Uh, and so as I get older, I'm trying to remember the power of kindness and how I can impact one person. You know, we, we get this pandemic stuff going. We're all so tired of it. We're tired of listening to it. We can't make sense out of it. And, you know, you're in Mississippi, so you haven't seen a mask in six months. I'm in Michigan where if I go outside of my house without a mask, I mean, it's going to taser me and all. It's just so ridiculous. And yet, if we would not get caught up in the news side of it all, because that's designed to keep you watching. That's all that matters. It's not designed for truth or accuracy. It's designed for attention. If we would just put that aside and realize that right next door to you and to me and to everybody listening is somebody who could use a word of encouragement or is somebody who could use you just taking over a plate of cookies and going, I don't know why I brought these over, but something told me that maybe you would, you'd appreciate a conversation. How you doing? Those are the game-changing moments that I think we're missing far too often in our hyper-busy culture of political tension and angst and, and depression. I mean, there's a lot of that happening these days. Um, and so my hope is that um, maybe I can pay attention now to those moments that last as opposed to those click moments. And they're very different things. They are that. Well, I cannot thank you enough. I... I'm glad we had this conversation today. Like I said, I only knew you were the Bill Hobson. I did not realize you were the voice of the state of Michigan. I've learned that while we were here. I've also found out that I, I'm no, I'm no longer, I'm no longer aspiring to be the Joe Rogan experience. I'm aspiring to be Hobson Media at this point. So uh, maybe in ten or twenty years, I'll catch up with you. So um, if you uh, if you aspire to be Hobson versus Rogan, just know you're going to down a few million listeners. Well, you know, it, it's not all about the numbers. It's not all about the numbers. No, it's, it's about not. the message. So, hey, before you get out of here, uh, share with my listeners how they can find all of your uh, information, how they yeah. can track you on the World Wide Web. I think the best place to go is probably HobsonMedia.com, H-O-B-S-O-N Media.com. There are links there to to everything that we do and really some descriptions of why we do what we do 
and I've learned this over the course of doing a few different interviews, uh, that different listeners may have different areas of interest. There may be a golf nut in your audience who says, I'm going to check out the golf show. There may be somebody who's in a marriage that's really in trouble who heard us mention marriage talk and says, man, if, if there's some insight there that could save our marriage, then I, I'm going there. So whatever it is, if you go to HobsonMedia.com, you'll, you'll get to all the other places from there. That's why I wanted to bring up what fell under your umbrella because there's it's such a diverse grouping. Uh, I, you know, you go from golf, which is uh, is usually a strain on a marriage because the guys always want to go to the golf course, wife's always wanting them at home, to marriage talk, to going to counsel them back. I mean, it's 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 genius, man. And then of course you just keep then you just keep rubbing it in their face by showing them all these beautiful immaculate places that they can go play golf to. That's I don't know what's going on with you, man. And thank goodness, thank goodness, you let the preachers get involved with the with the new right. network you got going on. So, anyway, well, you know, as a lifelong Detroit Lions fan, I've got to be oh. surrounded by men of faith. Oh. Or else I would be in, in need. I'd be curled up in the corner in a fetal position. Detroit, Detroit Lions fan. Sorry about that. I'm I'm actually a thank Packer fan, friend. so I, I'm struggling right now as a Packer fan, trying to figure out if I'm, my guy's going to be back at quarterback. So. He's going to be back at I all know. bluster and hot air. I know. It's 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 a, one of those clickbait situations we talked about. Until I hear it from his mouth, I'll never believe it. So He, he started the clickbait, but I think he did it to leverage a bigger contract. Well, look, man, when you decide to branch out into the foreign country region of America, down in the deep south, places like that, with all your networks, reach out to me. I'll see if we can get you in touch with the people that know. So. I sure appreciate that, man. And, uh, man, that, that Mississippi barbecue is still fresh <laughs> on my mind. So I'll take it anytime. All right, man. Well, look, I appreciate you being on, and we'll be uh, touching base sometime in the future, okay? Thank you so much for the, for the invite. I really enjoyed it. Thank you, Bill. And as always, guys, Wally out. Hey guys, quick shout out to Timothy O. Davis of Ridgewood Recording Studios. His studio offers a full line of music production ranging from song demos and singles to fully produced albums. He focuses on excellence at every level of the recording and production process and will work with you for your project specific needs. So remember guys, Timothy O. Davis, reach out to him at timothydavis.org front slash Ridgewood Studios. This podcast is part of the SJ Network. Go to s-j-network.com for more great podcasts and for contact information on publicist Steve Joyner.